All right. Good morning, listeners. It's um, August the 16th. Tuesday, in fact. Tuesday. Yep. And welcome to this week's news from the Rug War Front. My name is Jeff, and my co-presenter sitting opposite is Marion. Good morning. Good morning, Jeffrey, and good morning, everybody. And a lovely morning it is too, surprisingly, until the wind comes up. Well, the sun peaked out. Yeah, it was... Yeah, trying hard. We're trying hard, yeah, mostly. We're coming towards spring. There's some, you know, the blossom's coming out and let's hope we have a summer this year. Let's it just be nice? cross our fingers and hope the sun decides to stay away from behind those clouds. And Not that we didn't need the rain down here, a little bit of rain, but the amount that they had up in the northern rivers was, was just a little bit. phenomenal, way too much, and down south coast too. Yeah, anyway. look, hopefully today... We'll- Got some interesting stories that people will uh, find of interest. Um, naturally, we've been talking about the recently op- opened Can Test Health and Drug Checking Service, which yep. has received some quite uh, significant uh, coverage online at uh, junkie.com and the RIDAX. Um, so we, we'll start with that as a local story. It's, you know, it's an exciting it improvement. It is. It's very exciting. And hopefully what you hear is a little bit of what we know so far and we might try, if we can, and get Mitch on um, next week or the week after and see if he'll come in because he works there and maybe he can come and tell us how it's going, how people are responding to it. Because, re- you know, it's stuff we need to know. We've needed to know it for 60 years, Jeffrey. <laughs> oh. But finally it's come to fruition and uh, it, I find it really exciting. This will be real. So I'd love um, to hear how people are responding to it. This will be real evidence-based evidence. (laughs) We want evidence. We wanted evidence-based decision-making and they've got to have the evidence first. That's the kind of evidence we need. Yeah, I've got a story about a new app which has been set up in Victoria mainly to focus on regional and remote areas um, for and to assist people who want to change their relationship with alcohol. It's called the Hello Sunday Morning Daybreak app. And it's secure, free, and anonymous. And sounds like it has some very worthwhile uh, advice and information for the people, you know, trying to moderate their um, drinking. Um, got a disturbing story coming from India. Um, yes, about their antiretroviral drugs. Ha ha! I get to say antiretroviral for a change, well, <laughs> but it's very—it's dangerous not to have those drugs available. They're life-saving drugs. Absolutely, they're the ones that stop people from um, dying from HIV or from AIDS, and so they need to have them available. Well, um, one of the guys who's leading the um, protest in Delhi, um, his name's Loon, uh, he's president of the Delhi Network of Positive People. Uh, they've, um, I think, gone into the 26th day of uh, occupying a, a site in protest, um, saying because the government's saying there's no problem here, nothing to see here, and yet half a million people uh, are not getting access to their antiretrovirals, and that's a serious problem. Jeffrey, I watch the Indian news every morning on on the on uh, SBS, right? The English version, Indian yeah. new, English version of the Indian news. Yeah, the Punjabi version's a bit hard to find. Bull twang that they put over that network. They in the hour long episode of the news that they give you, they had two major stories. One was the celebration of the Indian independence, the anniversary of their independence. They did the whole of the Prime Minister's speech to the government in the news, the whole of the speech. They were going to have supposedly part of... um, um, Prime Minister Albanese's um, response to 
Morrison's, you know, oh, yeah, taking, taking over extra. three extra roles and, and no not telling knew. anybody yeah, about it. Very odd. Except Hunt, Greg Hunt. Um, but he was sure he were t- he told, you know, the interesting to see what finance minister, Matthias Corman. He was sure he sent him a message. Sorry if he didn't. Resources didn't mention it. Needs looking and into Anyway, it. look, the point is that it, for all the news that India has to waste nearly half an hour of the hour-long English Indian news on the celebration of independence when there is so much more important stuff going on in India yeah. seems to me to be... You know, not a smart use of resources, really. And maybe we need to think about that when we're talking about the availability of antiretrovirals and the support that we might be able to provide through perhaps our network or connection with the FAO um, and the international conference on HIV and AIDS, which is is run regularly. I mean, they make antiretrovirals in India. Why do they have no drugs available for their... Antibody positive people. That's just very wrong. strange situation. Um, also, got a story from uh, Canada about a supervised um, mobile injecting space. Yeah, yeah, a mobile drug injecting site called La on- which is a great idea. La Anonymy, I suppose the anonymous, and it's been saving lives for the past five years. So that's some of the stories we've got coming up, and also we'll play some music and uh, have some discussion. But. Anyway, um, News from the Drug War Front is brought to you by Karma, the Canberra Alliance for Harmonisation and Advocacy, and The Connection, which is Karma's peer-based drug and alcohol service for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander clients. We Obviously, we uh, promote the services provided by Karma, report on news stories that are relevant to illicit drug users from Australia and around the world, and also discuss and hopefully educate people about the need for different thinking and different approaches to dealing with uh, the harms caused by problematic drug use in a world of prohibition, which is the major cause of harm. Absolutely. Um, so that's essentially what we try to do is give the big picture of um, the context of the war on people who use and, drugs. And provide people with information and a basis for at least starting a discussion amongst, yes. amongst themselves and for your service providers. I mean, you need information to go to your own private practitioner with So, because how many of our... How many of our listeners actually tell that are not on um, an opiate maintenance therapy, for instance, mm. um, go to their doctor and say, I'm an injector, I'm a, an opiate injector? I, I doubt that they well, do. There's a lot of problematic Otherwise, issues. Otherwise, they would not be prescribed honest. a particular number of drugs. Yeah. You know, there's a whole range of drugs that they cannot prescribe to people who have addictions. Yeah, and there's a shortage of prescribing commas. doctors for um Methadone replacement. replacement. Yeah. Okay. uh, Yeah, well, so we're... (sighs) Karma and The Connection provide a wide range of services like advocacy, peer treatment, support, education, art therapy, support groups, mentoring and referrals. Above all, Karma and The Connection are harm reduction services. Karma and The Connection are located in the Belconnen Churches Centre at Shop 17, Level 154, Benjamin Way. The drop-in hours are 10am to 4pm, Monday to Friday. Contact can be made on 62533643. And I believe, though, if you can find a public phone, all telephone calls are free free. now. Yeah, so I believe. So you can ring on a public phone, 62533643, or, you know, most people have um, that have mobile phones, you know, they've got... 
uh, infinite uh, phone calls and texts yeah. available and or you can go on your computer and, and get onto uh, email karma at info at karma.org.au. So karma can assist people with a wide range of issues, including advice and advocacy about opioid maintenance treatments such as methadone, suboxone, buprenorphine tablets, and the long-acting injectable buprenorphine and buvital and sublocade, like buvital and sublocade. Accessing and being paid to treat your hepatitis C in conjunction with hepatitis ACT and the RTT, the Reach, Teach, Treat, Thrive program. Um, the interesting thing about that, there was somebody died in the last week of liver disease and that was really interesting and I wondered whether it was a drug-induced liver disease or if it was a long acting or a long presentation, long-term effect of hepatitis C. Guess we'd have to get some uh, details. Because it was liver cancer that he died of, mm -hmm. so it was Not actually nice. quite surprising. It was, um, of course, my idiot brain, you know, just won't remember the name, yeah. but nonetheless. But if you've got hep C, get treated. Yeah. yeah, so, yeah, if you've got, and go and see hepatitis ACT, Get yourself tested. They'll just do a pinprick of your thumb. You don't have to find a vein and have masses of blood taken. They would do a pinprick finger test, um, test your blood, find out if you've got the antibodies, and they can treat you and cure you of hepatitis C. Evidently, and new blood testing equipment is portable. Um, yes. Louise was saying that in the future it might be uh, possible to have it at Karma one day of the week. Or Anyway, we'll let Which people know. Which would be great, yeah. 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 Helping people to access detox, rehab and other treatment services is something that Karma and The Connection do as well. And you really do need an advocate for most of these things. We help people to overcome the and to cope with or to manage and overcome the impact of stigma and discrimination directed towards them because you are, because we are drug users. And that is a very nasty experience and most people, that's why we don't tell our doctors that we use drugs if we're not on a opiate maintenance program. A walk-in clinic with a doctor and nurse, which is on tomorrow, on Wednesdays from 10am till 2pm in partnership with Directions, ACT, no appointment necessary. You'll notice that Karma's working, Karma and The Connection are working in cooperation with other drug and alcohol services that are effectively treatment services oh, but karma is a harm reduction service massive expansion means, of partnerships yeah. yeah we we work with people who are drug users and have no intention as yet of giving up drug use and mm. may never give up drug use but that's not for us to say whether it's a good or a bad thing no we're trying to help we people work where to they're reduce at. the harm yeah. that comes from that yeah so just anyway Get in touch with Karma. Listen, the next uh, opioid overdose recognition response with naloxone workshop is scheduled for Tuesday, September the 6th at the Early Morning Centre. Um, for more information, get in touch with Damo at Karma on 62533643. Yeah, and keep that in mind. There'll be regular um, workshops available for the public. I mean, Karma's spread out to doing um, specific courses at other services and for staff and workers at other AOD agencies. So it's really expanded. But um, I think the uh, the first Tuesday 
of each month, the early morning centre will be a venue for naloxone. Yes. So um, that's the place if you, if you just want to come along as, you know, and do the training and get a kit, early morning centre, first Tuesday of the month. Oh, well, that's a good idea. Yeah. Just make it a regular thing. A regular thing. And, thing. and, and don't worry about booking. Just do it. Just, just turn up. Just, yeah. It's, it's organised. I think yeah. it's a great idea. It's always better to have around about six to eight people for a group. Well, I think um, Because I think the interaction time, yeah. is better. Yeah. But it, if, you know, ten people turn up, no one's going to get turned away. No, no, anyway, no. we want everybody to have naloxone to be able to re- reverse the effect of opioid overdose. That's mm. important. Because that's right. all it does. It's a wonderful program. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, news from the drug war uh, front. As I said, reports and news stories relevant to illicit drug users uh, from Australia and around the world. Many of the articles featured in the program come from other sources, including the mainstream media, which obviously uh, often has a negative um, slant on their coverage. Absolutely. (laughs) So uh, the contents of this broadcast uh, slash podcast do not necessarily reflect the views and the policies of Karma and the Connection. Karma does not condone nor condemn drug use and we do not promote illegal activity. However, we recognise that drug use happens and will continue to happen regardless of laws and United Nations conventions. As such, karma focuses on harm reduction messages, drug treatment support services, advocacy and community development. We seek to reduce the harms associated with drug use and its criminalisation through the provision of programs that foster community development and the delivery of person-centred holistic health care. Karma advocates for equity of health service delivery for all people. Anyway, uh, well, uh, got some good feedback about the Mamas and the Papas song, so I thought we'd play another one. This is uh, another one of their hits, uh, Monday, Monday, the Mamas <laughs> and the us. Papas.
Monday, Monday. Can't trust that day. Monday, Monday. It just turns out that way. We've got our first local story, and this is about the uh, drug checking service. Yes, it's one of the um, interesting, well, one of the many interesting stories we've got this week, but we want to hopefully um, talk to Mitch next week, if we can, or the week after. As soon as we can, we'll get him in. Australia's first pill testing clinic is already proving why we need more pill testing. This is by Izzy Phillips from junkie.com from August the 11th. And the article says, Australia's first fixed pill testing clinic has officially opened in Canberra. Yay! It joins the very short list of places around the world where you can check what's actually in your drugs. The site has opened as a result of years of advocacy by Pill Testing Australia. The clinic is called CanTest and it's operated by Directions Health with specialist support and staff coming from Canberra Alliance for Harm Minimisation and Advocacy, that's us, Australian National University as well. CanTest has two primary aims. The first is offering a service to test samples of drugs and the second is providing information on harm reduction or for harm reduction. Mitch Lamb has worked at the clinic since the doors opened last month and has already seen a huge demand for the service. That's great. He's quoted as saying, I think a lot of people were thinking that it was going to start slow, and I can tell you now from working at the site, it's not slow at all, says Mitch. One of the big issues with taking drugs that you might have gotten illicitly is that you might not know what's in them. So this service is really about, first of all, giving you the data. And then I think the most important part, it's actually the second part, the harm reduction. We're plugging a gap there where you can really give really simple advice to people who use drugs in a manner that keeps them safe. Once you've got this knowledge, you could identify an overdose or you could pass on information about how to use MDMA safer, Lamb says. Despite being a clinical testing service... Can, can test is bridging the gap for people who use drugs to ensure the experience feels less clinical and focuses on creating a welcoming and safe environment. He's quoted as saying, you're walking up to a building and you've got drugs in your pocket that can be confronting at the best of times. Absolutely. So it's been sort of nice to show the community that we're there to help. Mm. That's a very important um Aspect. While CanTest is no formal agreement with the ACT police, anyone going to the clinic can be assured that they won't be arrested on the way in or out of the site, and all testing is done on a confidential basis. Over the first uh, few weeks of operating, the clinic has tested a wide range of different drugs and has seen many samples be discarded when the results showed a different result to what the drug was suspected to be. 
which was just what we said would happen. And, and they said from the pill testing clinic that was that what was, would happen. Yeah. Yes, Look, good on them. People don't want to end up in the no, ER. No, they or, don't want crap in no, their system. It's not the point. No. Um, quote, um, this is from Mitchland. Some of the things we've come across are psychoactive substances, which are sort of a new field of drug that are research chemical based and a lot more do-it-yourself backyard chemists. We're sort of seeing some stuff that you would expect to see at your typical music festival. And quite often we're finding people show up to the site and think it's a sample of ketamine. And what they walk out with is the information that, hmm, maybe it's not quite ketamine. <laughs> One of the things I can say confidently is there is a lot of filler in a lot of these drugs. Yeah. No Which surprise. Which is generally chalk, yeah? yeah. No that surprise kind of in a black market. But often much more dangerous than chalk. I yeah. Mean, really, when it comes down to it, it's, it's, it's sort of like um, power, you know, knowledge is power, but commu- uh, consumer rights, you know. Absolutely. That, absolutely. We should have been. Well, Jeffrey, this is something we have been wanting for so long, yeah? yeah? yeah. We've wanted to know what we've been having in our drugs because. We buy it on the black market or we get it on the dark web. Because you buy it on street base, it's not got any restrictions by food standards or drug standards agency. We have no no idea of what's in it. So this is a really welcome outcome. Good to hear it's going so well too. Indeed. Cantest is on a fixed six-month pilot. And when asked what needs to happen to ensure that the clinic goes beyond this initial period or even see more clinics open in different states, Mitch Lamb had one answer, more drugs. Mm-hmm. Quote, we need a lot, lots of drugs. We need heaps. <laughs> <laughs> Good on you, well Mitch. Said, Mitch. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, don't we all? <laughs> the more data that we present, the better it is for us. We just want a mountain of data. That's right. So if you're thinking about doing it and you're on the edge, I'd encourage you to, well, just try it once. Yep. That's good advice. The clinic hopes to solidify that drug use is first and foremost a health issue. Here, yep. here. And if clinic goers discard their drugs after discovering um, harmful... What's well, in them. In them yeah. yeah. Mitch says that they've achieved their goal in making people healthier. Absolutely. And a final quote from Mitch is, it really is about harm reduction. It's a proven method of not only keeping people safe, but something that's really important right now in keeping the strain off our hospital system. Absolutely. And, I mean, wouldn't it be lovely if we didn't need to have... Narcan or use naloxone because people already knew how strong their drugs were and how much they should take well, ma- of their particular drugs, yeah? yeah I mean, being um, but, a dreamer, but imagine if the proposed heroin trial in the mid-90s and ACT uh, hadn't been vetoed by John Howard. Yeah, that's... We, we could have had a, 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 you know, a fixed site heroin for trial. decades and yep. we wouldn't have this problem. People would that's know what right. they're getting. And could function in society and work and Indeed. pay taxes. And, and you know, 30 years ago, they had uh, an amphetamine provision program in England. As long as you didn't inject it, you could have your amphetamines. But you, you had to not prove that you weren't injecting just by showing, you know, your injection sites on your body that you weren't putting your holes in yourself. You weren't injecting your drugs. It just makes common sense, doesn't it, Aaron? It does, it's- Jeffrey. it does, that really people are going to take drugs. So, And because they do, why should they die because they do? I mean, would the average drinker like to play Russian roulette with maybe getting metho instead of... Um the spirit that they're buying or, you know what I mean? Like it's yeah, no, well, I mean, and there are people who, in fact, 
are are so addicted to alcohol that well, they actually, actually they do drink metho or yeah. they do drink um, flavoring yeah food flavoring yeah no there's plenty of harm because there's plenty of harm available with that and the impact on women in particular women and children because yeah. of you know the we've got to stop killing women and children mm. while under the influence of alcohol it's or national, other drugs yeah it's um, a disgrace International problem, Jeffrey. Mm. Not just national. Yeah. Yeah. We have a problem with it, but it's an international problem yeah. too. Everywhere is complaining of the same thing. It's a very sad state but of affairs. This is really encouraging, and I, I like oh, yeah. Mitch's quote: um, <laughs> "We need lots of drugs. We need yeah. heaps." <laughs> <laughs> and that well, they're going to get more information. The more drugs I get, the more information they'll have. So you know. I think that makes perfect sense. But, uh, yes, absolutely. It's a quote that needs to be run with. I'd agree with you, Mitch, every step of the way. It's a cracker. We do need heaps of drugs. And we need to stress that um, it's drug checking, not just pill testing. Not just pill testing. All injectors who want to test their powders. Whatever yeah, you are using, there for you. Yeah, or yeah. whatever you're intending to use, yes. or whatever, you, even whatever you already use, if you think you know what's in it, go and go find and out find what out. is in Make it. Make sure yeah. that you know what's in it. I mean, the equipment is state of the art. It's exp- no, it's not just it must have some, been very expensive. Yeah, I yeah. Look, so. and if we want a change in drug policy, it's going to be on the basis of this kind of information. Oh. That is going. This is the facts. That we've been looking for. This is crucial. The Absolutely, data that will come out of this. It's yep. going to be so valuable in so many ways. But um, we've been needing it forever, Jeff. We have. So yep. well done to everyone involved. Yeah, um, congratulations to Canter to Pill Testing yep. Australia, yep. and well done to right. Karma and to um, uh, we've got to go Directions. To yes, national, go the news. National news. Then right we'll be bye. All right, welcome back to this week's news from the Drug War Front. It's four minutes after 11 and we're coming from Studio uh, One uh, at 2 98.3 FM. And just as ever, I'd like to shout out um, to 2 X for their support of our show and many of the other um, original shows put together by volunteers each and, and every week. And long with public radio. Yeah. Long with public radio. And the... The Radiothon is finally coming back. Oh, good. Um, just had a chat to Mark uh, in the hallway and he's working on the details. Um, it used to be an annual event and the, the major fundraiser for 2XX, but it sort of lapsed. It's, it's been a number of years since there's been the Radiothon, but it's on and we will give you details as soon as they come to hand. That's good. All right, we got some good feedback last week when I played a, a ministry song, so I thought I'd um, have a crack at another one. This is uh, NWO or New World Order Ministry.
All right, that's the uh, rather eccentric Al Jorgensen and <laughs> Ministry and New World Order. <laughs> it's 10 minutes after 11. We've got a story about um, an app to help people in rural and uh, remote Victoria um, yes, we, deal with mentioned, alcohol. mentioned issues. it at the beginning of the program. Support for Victoria's struggling with risky drinking, Victorians struggling with risky drinking. This is from PRWire.com, August the 15th. Hello Sunday Morning's Day, Daybreak app is helping Victorians understanding understand the impacts of dangerous levels of drinking to change their relationship with alcohol. It's a trusted, secure, free and anonymous service providing tools and assessments and recommendations. Hello Sunday Morning, or HSM, an Australian not-for-profit organisation dedicated to helping people who want to change their relationship with alcohol. It's no, uh, okay. It's no surprise that people in regional Victoria struggle to access care, counselling and support for health and wellbeing. Sadly, up to 500,000 Australians can't get the help they need from alcohol and treatment services, according to research by the Alcohol and Drug Foundation. And regional and rural Victorians who seek to change their relationship with alcohol are faced with travelling an average of one and a half hours to access treatment. Quote, we know Victorians had it particularly hard during extended lockdowns, says Andy Moore, CEO of Hello Sunday Morning. Quote, the research is telling us that regional Victorians are more likely to drink at levels that are harmful to their health. Rural populations are one and a half more times more likely to consume alcohol at high risk levels and four times less likely to seek help. And it's distressing to learn that regional Victorians who are navigating the challenges and stigma related to alcohol misuse have to travel excessive distances to seek treatment. Yeah, that's shameful, really, when you it consider is. how prevalent alcohol is in our society. Very much so. Uh, as a quote, urges to drink and anxiety around alcohol can strike at any time, any place. But when you need help, you need help. The Daybreak app is all about meeting regional and rural Victorians where they're at with discretion, compassion and immediacy that's direct to their phone, removing the barriers of waiting lists, long, drive, long drives to specialist support and the stigma of your business being known in a small town, that's a big issue, is critical to helping Victorians create healthier habits with their drinking. We've seen people turn their lives around through meaningful, anonymous connection with others who have been in their shoes and clinicians who carefully help people work through goals. Vic Health joins Hello Sunday Morning to support the long-term health of Victorians through examining alcohol consumption. Quote, we know the heavy burden alcohol can place upon Victorians and its links to chronic disease outcomes, including mental illness, says the CEO of Vic Health, Dr. Sandro DeMeo. And uh, the quote is, offering accessible support directly to regional and rural Victorians can ultimately lead to better health outcomes better health outcomes. While many people find it tough to seek help, Hello Sunday Morning makes it much simpler and far easier. Mr Moore added that for regional Victorians seeking an initial check-in, Hello Sunday Morning's alcohol and wellbeing self-assessment helps identify risky drinking behaviour and next steps that you can take for change. Over 75,000 Australians who have downloaded this app and sought online care. Regional Victorians have benefited from the organisation's support as they explore quitting or reducing alcohol. 
Regional Victorians can make changes to drinking behaviours by downloading the Daybreak app or take 10 minutes to complete the Hello Sunday Mornings Alcohol and Wellbeing Self-Assessment. Mm, that sounds so really helpful. It does sound interesting and helpful, doesn't it? It sounds like a good idea. I mean, being able to do something yourself instead of having to hand over responsibility for your behaviour to someone else. Um, and as I say, rural Victorians like anybody other rural area it's very difficult to uh, go either to a doctor or even find any kind of treatment that is suitable for um, moderating behavior and harm reduction behavior as opposed to abstinence based behavior yeah exactly Um, and you know everyone knows that you know, AA and AA and NA are there for people to remain abstinent. Yes. But if people just want to modify their behaviour and change work. Yeah. it, AA and NA are not appropriate no. because it's abstinence-based. So right. this sounds like a very useful Meeting people where they're at and Absolutely. giving them... And it's exactly what we do in the drug-using community. That's the whole point of peer education programs and harm reduction. Yeah. But harm reduction for alcohol users is a really interesting concept and and nice to see that they've got an app that people can use themselves. Yeah, Yeah, I thought it was a a positive story. Uh, We'll play a quick song. This is uh, from the best of Warren Zevon and it's Excitable Boy, Warren Zevon.
All right, that was Warren Zevon and Excitable Boy. It's 18 minutes after 11. You're with Jeff and Marion in uh, Studio One, 2XFM 98.3, People Powered Radio. Okay, heading overseas here. This um, story I saw on Facebook um, posted by a friend of mine, uh, Loon, and it just appalled me. Um, and this article is from The Guardian, um, August the 12th. India's HIV patients say shortages are, is leaving hundreds of thousands, shortages of ARVs is leaving hundreds of thousands without drugs that they need to to live. By China Kapoor, campaigners say many people have had to stop or switch antiretroviral medication regimes, but the government denies there's a, a supply with crisis, a supply crisis. Hundreds of thousands of people living with HIV in India are struggling to access treatment because of a shortage of antiretroviral ARV drugs, according to campaigners. Up to 500,000 people have not been able to get hold of free ARVs from government health centres and hospitals over the past five months, they say, as the country experiences stock shortages of key drugs. ARVs that are available in privately run pharmacies and shops can be prohibitively expensive. Some people have been given alternative drugs, but others have stopped taking any medication. Quote, does this government even realise that at least 500,000 or one third of the total patients are affected by this? Some adults have been given 11 doses of paediatric medicine to compensate, wow. said Loon Gangte, president of the Delhi Network of Positive People, DMP+, a non-government organisation that works to improve the treatment and facilities for people living with HIV and AIDS. Quote, we only demand an uninterrupted monthly supply. This treatment is our right. According to Loon, who has been protesting with about 30 others at, um, outside India's National AIDS Control Organisation, or NACO, in Delhi, for 22 days, well, it's now 26 days. At least 12 other states, including Assam, Uttar Pradesh, Rajasthan and Punjab, are also facing ARV shortages. He said several state governments have asked patients to change their long-standing drug regimes, and that's very problematic. Absolutely. The COVID-19 pandemic has already broken our back, had already broken our backs, Loon goes on to say. Now this shortage is pushing us further into penury. Kedar Nath, the 30-year-old street vendor taking part in the protest, said he has not taken his AIVs on several occasions over the past two months. He simply cannot afford the £50 a month it would cost to buy the drugs on the open market. I've been taking these drugs for the last, ele- sorry, last 13 years. They've helped me continue with my life despite having the virus in my body. But the recent shortage has simply turned my life upside down since I can neither find the strength to work nor have any savings to live off, he said. Oh, that's a shocker. It goes on. According to government figures, 2.35 million people in India are HIV positive. 2.35 million people are HIV positive. That's 10% of Australia's population equivalent. Uh, About 1.5 million people are on antiretroviral therapy, far lower than the World Health Organization's 90-90-90 target, under which 90% of people with HIV are diagnosed, 90% are on ARV treatment, and 90% are no longer infectious. India says it aims to end the HIV epidemic by 2030. In 2019, an estimated 58,900 AIDS-related deaths were reported in the country. This is pretty horrendous because this sounds very much like... India is busy saying it is no longer a developing nation, but by the sound of it, they're treating AIDS-related 
conditions or people with HIV as, as if they are a developing nation. It's appalling. That's right. The government has refuted Loon's claims of a shortage. The Indian Health Ministry said it had, quote, reviewed the entire situation and held a series of meetings with the protesters. ARV drugs or antiretroviral drugs are being provided for a duration of less than one month. But at no point in time has there been any shortage of drugs for any of the people living with HIV or patients living with HIV. There is an adequate stock nationally for 95% of people living with HIV. Well, that's not everyone. That's not everyone. That's who's 95%. Out? Yeah, who's deciding who misses out? But, I mean, and that's of people who have been have been diagnosed. It's not about well, people that, who are actually turning up to treatment, yes? Yeah. I mean, these are life-saving drugs. This isn't just, you know, something They're, for a headache. That's or, right. They can't cure HIV, no, but they can treat. stop people from dying. That's right. And that's important. NACO did not wish to comment. However, in a letter seen by The Guardian that was dated the 30th of May, NACO asked all state AIDS prevention and control societies which oversee HIV testing and treatment in each state to switch to other regimes, quote, to tide through the crisis situation as an interim arrangement. Oh, Jeff, there's a note. I know oh, Loon yeah. Gang, too, a yeah. wonderful man who's worked in support with the needs of HIV-positive people for people with HIV, with drugs, with IDUs for drugs oh, for many years. He's, anyway, I mean, it's just horrendous. He's an inspirational fellow. You know, Anybody he, would think that it is like Africa, you know, where... Well, especially 75th anniversary of, of modern India. Yes. This doesn't sound like... <laughs> this doesn't sound like a modern country, a modern de- democracy at all, and it's a frightening thing. No, well, it's, it, it would be scary too. And, um, you know, Loon is um, putting up regular updates of the sit-in protest, and it's pretty getting pretty grim, you know. They have to walk on multiple floors to access the toilet and, you know what I mean? Like they're yes. really trying to starve them out and it's pretty brutal sort of approach to people whose health is already compromised. Yes. Um, and uh, particularly when they've got um, when they've got covid around as well and these people are immune compromised yeah. and they are the ones who are meant to be most, most protected. Yeah, yeah. And they're not being protected at all. They're not even being given their antiretrovirals. No. I really That's hope frightening. That some of the um, national and international HIV AIDS groups get Behind this protest, I would really like to see um, an IDU international HIV and AIDS conference, international AIDS conference being held in Delhi, and or you know New Delhi or Mumbai or whatever. Wherever. It's definitely a major problem. And make sure that the uh, the peer education organisations get involved and and support the users. Absolutely. Yeah. I know there are a lot of people actually who are quite wealthy Australians who go over to India and go over there to meditate and go to the mm-hmm. ashrams yep, and yep. live in luxury. But do they take any notice of this kind of activity or lack of activity mm. with people with HIV in India? And I just think it's... Interesting um, question. I don't know how you walk past, but, you know, the the activity that you put up, you walk past is what you're prepared, prepared to, accept, to put yeah. up with, yeah. yeah? And I just think that's obscene. Yeah. We're going to the... Can- 
Canadian story, a bit more yeah, positive. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, I'll still get to talk, believe it or not. Anyway, the next article, there's one from Canada, and I know we do quite a lot on Canada, but they seem to be doing bits and bobs and moving along quite effectively and with a, quite a bit of um, well, They're trying really hard because of the overdose epidemic. Yeah. There's so they, many people dying. And they're doing it in Canada as opposed to in the United States because they have a system that is largely like ours, in yeah. effect a lot like ours, um, and they're really keen on keeping their young people alive and they take notice of what they say. Anyway, the article starts, How a Canadian Supervised Mobile Drug Injection Site Saves Lives. This is by Alifa Zainuddin from CodeBlue.org on August the 11th. With uh, Lanonim's van in Montreal, so I'd say that's anonymous, van in Montreal, but, um, staff provide a safe place for people to inject drugs without fear of arrest to reduce overdose deaths in an opioid crisis. This is in Quebec, obviously. This is Montreal, August the 11th. For five years, Lanonim has operated a supervised mobile drug injection site, providing drug users with a legal place to get clean supplies, connect with social services and avoid overdosing in a secluded and dangerous place. This is interesting because it's the first thing that we've, first time we've heard of this, Jeffrey, mm. and it's been going for five years in Quebec. Trained staff on the mobile unit, which travels across the city of Montreal in Canada, will provide clean needles and syringes, administer naloxone to rapidly reverse the effects of overdose from opioids, as well as offer psychosocial support and referrals for addiction treatment. Users bring their own drugs to the site. In an effort to reduce rising overdose rates caused by the increasingly toxic substance or street drugs, the Canadian government in 2017 passed legislation that made it easy to open supervised drug injection sites across the country. About a month after the bill became law, Lanonim announced I'd sorry, launched its mobile safe injection unit here in the city of Montreal in Quebec, Canada. Quote, our goal is very simple. It's really to prevent overdose and ensure that people have a safe space to inject drugs and for us to support them if there are any complications, said Kim Briak-Charest, an outreach program coordinator at Glanonim at a, a Montreal non-profit organisation. Briak-Charest said... Uh, no, I think I'll call her Kim. Kim said arrangements have been made with local law enforcement so that people with drug addiction or drug use can use the mobile site without fear of arrest. The mobile supervised drug injection site is part of the country's harm reduction strategy to curb overdose deaths that have been driven by, driven by the synthetic opioids such as fentanyl, here we go, a drug 50 times stronger than heroin, or at least it's not a 1,000 times. According to government data, more than 29,000 people died of suspected opioid overdose in Canada between 2016 and 2020. Opioid-related deaths nearly doubled during the first year of the COVID-19 pandemic, surging to 7,362 deaths from April 2020 to March 2021 and have remained high. In Quebec, 
the pro- in Quebec province alone, where the city of Montreal is located, some 547 deaths linked to opioid and other drugs, drug poisoning were reported over the same period. In 2021, Canada recorded 7,560 apparent opioid toxicity deaths, averaging about 21 deaths per day. That's a lot in one city, isn't it? That is a lot in one city, yes. Uh, Public health officials have attributed the worsening of the overdose crisis over the course of the COVID-19 pandemic to increasingly toxic drug supplies, heightened feelings of isolation, stress and anxiety, and disrupted harm reduction services for people who use drugs. Quote, we see a few, maybe four to six people per night. On some nights, we saw dozens of people. But with COVID, it really, really went down, Kim told reporters during a media tour last July the 29th at the 24th International AIDS Conference, AIDS 2022 in Montreal. The mobile unit by Anonymous complements three other fixed injection sites. Um, found in Montreal that are run by separate organisations, namely Cactus Montreal, Dopamine and Spectre de Rue. They've been working for many years with people who use injecting drugs and they operate at different hours in different locations. No site in Montreal right now is open 24-7, Kim said. We'd love to extend our hours, especially during the day when the shelters are closed. Some of the fixed sites are open at 9am, so we'd love to fill that gap from 6am to 9am, she added. Uh, The anonymous mobile unit runs daily (laughs) from 11pm to 5am. Their annual report, 2021-22, showed 9,485 total interventions were carried out by the outreach program. Over 150,000 syringes, um, 68,000 condoms, 14,000 Pyrex tubes, 711 naloxone doses and 757 fentanyl test strips were also distributed. So quite a range of services. Since it's established it five years ago, the site has reversed 12 overdoses. As I've said, this is a site that does not require the biggest number of people, but it does impact populations that are usually very difficult to reach. Most people really appreciate that it's a small space, Kim said. They include people who are homeless, sex workers and individuals with mental or physical health issues. Mm. We have people who've given us flowers as a gesture of their gratitude and there are drawings of the mobile that people gave us as well, Kim said, pointing to a laminated watercolour painting pasted along the walls of the mobile unit. It's nice. Supervised injection sites have been legally operating around the world, especially in Europe, Canada and also Australia since 1986. In September 2003, Canada's first legally sanctioned supervised injecting site, Insight, opened in Vancouver. New York, the most popular city in the United States, became the first city in that country to allow authorised injection sites for illegal drugs. Mm. But that's a positive story, isn't it? It is a positive From Montreal. story. It's really interesting um, to hear that that's what they're doing there. Interesting too, the um, first um, supervised injecting site that I saw was in uh, Rotterdam. And it was horrible. It was filthy. I remember you saying, yeah. yeah it it had wasn't overrunning the best. toilet. It was, yeah. it was just gross. It was not set up with peers in mind. Not by or not human set beings. up by yeah. peers. Yeah. That's right. With no reference. No. And it was right next to a police station. No, that's not fitting the bill. Not a smart idea. Not very Might play another quick song. This is your um, album of uh, Acid Days, psychedelic <laughs> classics. I picked. One just out out of the blue, the small faces. It's called Green Circles. Oh, okay. We'll give it a go.
All right, that was the small faces and green circles. Yeah, okay. I didn't recognise that at all. Never Jeffrey heard that one. Didn't, <laughs> never heard it, but they did make up all the lyrics to those songs anyway, in keeping with what was going on in San Francisco when all that, you know, the sex and drugs and rock and roll was going on and peace, love and happiness and handing out daffodils. So oh. the Brits were just making up lyrics to go into songs. A lot of positive things were happening too, weren't there they? There was some lovely... Love and free love and happiness type stuff yeah. going on. It was lovely stuff happening, yeah. but Fortunately, yeah, got it was only so. in San Francisco and only in the very inner circle. And only for a short period of time. Very short period. Look, of time. this is a really interesting one. Um, Dave flicked this to me yesterday. It's from a conservative publication, the New Statesman in the UK, by Rachel Cuncliffe, August the eleventh. The war on drugs has failed. Cunliffe, darling. Cun, cun lift, sorry. Sorry. The war on <laughs> sounds like you're swearing. <laughs> cun, cun lift. Yes. The war on drugs has failed. When will the Tories and Labor accept this? Britain's backward, backwards drug laws are causing many, of, un, many avoidable deaths and the public is demanding change. The UK is a world leader in drugs. We have the highest rate of drug-related deaths in Europe. <laughs> go, go, set, to, go, Britain. Number one. <laughs> yep. The highest cocaine usage amongst young adults and the highest number of people in drug treatment programs. On the 3rd of August, the Office for National Statistics released its latest figures on drug-related deaths in England and Wales, revealing that 2021 was a record-breaking year, but not in a good way. It's no coincidence that we also have some of the toughest prohibitionist policies in the developed world, while other countries, such as Portugal, the Netherlands, Canada, even the US, where Richard Nixon's tragic uh, war on drugs was launched, have been slowly following the science on harm and relaxing their drug laws. Meanwhile, the UK has remained obstinate. Neither of the two main parties are remotely interested in drug reform. The Conservatives, despite being led for the past three years by a man who admits his own past experimentation with cocaine, have moved ever further away from evidence-based policy, announcing draconian plans to increase random drug testing and confiscate the passports and driving licences of those found with illicit substances in their systems. Keir Starmer, meanwhile, the Labor leader, has taken the cowardly approach using the excuse that he has, quote, seen too much damage as a result of drugs to countenance reform, without considering how such damage could be avoided by a better, more humane legal framework. While some brave MPs advocate liberalisation, backed by the Mayor of London, Sadiq Khan, and grandees such as William Hague, most frontline politicians prefer to shut their eyes to the mounting evidence and just pretend that prohibition works. So it's hardly surprising that Rishi Sunak, just desperately attempting to breathe life into his faltering conservative leadership campaign, to, you know, to replace Boris Johnson, mm. tried this line at a recent husting in Darlington. The former Chancellor called drugs horrific, insisting he had never taken them and saying he would, quote, be incredibly tough on anyone who does. Leaving ah. aside whether his contempt for anyone who's ever experimented with drugs applies to his erstwhile cabinet colleagues, Michael Gove and Dominic Raab, both of whom who admitted to dabbling in the past, this kind of mindless posturing is what prevents a grown-up conversation about how to save over 6,000 lives a year. It is what blocks not just the introduction of a legal market for low-risk drugs such as cannabis, a substance less damaging to the body than alcohol or tobacco and far less damaging to society, 
but also harm reduction initiatives such as safety check-in services at festivals and supervised consumption facilities, which can help prevent overdoses. Sunak is presumably under the apprehension that the failed war on drugs is just popular. And among Tory members, that all-powerful group who'll choose the next Prime Minister, it well might be. But neither the general public nor the, quote, red wall voters who won the Conservatives the last general election are so blinkered. New polling finds that voters overwhelmingly back harm reduction strategies. 61% of the public support drug safety check-in services, rising to 66% amongst red wall voters. Supervised drug consumption facilities, meanwhile, are also supported by the public, with 49% in favour compared to 18% against, 45% to 20% amongst red wall voters. Mm. Legalising cannabis decriminalising possession of certain other drugs and allowing research into medical pros- into the medical properties of substances such as psilocybin, the psychoactive ingredient in magic mushrooms, all enjoyed widespread support. And while just over half do believe that the criminal punishments handed out for drug use are too lenient, only 26% think the threat of criminal penalties is an effective deterrent to use A majority also believe that education or treatment is a better response to drug use than a fine or prison sentence. Ultimately, the public is in step with the science, as evidenced by Portugal's two-decade experiment in harm reduction, drug harm reduction. Having decriminalised possession for all narcotics in 2001, the country now has lower drug use and fewer drug-related deaths than the EU average, the European Union average. While prohibition will never be able to eliminate demand or supply, remember UK drug use tops the international charts, (laughs) making drug use safer and focusing on treatment over penalties is highly effective at preventing deaths. On-site drug testing schemes at festivals, for example, have been shown to significantly reduce hospital admissions. But confusion over the legality of these programs, fuelled by the government's anti-drugs rhetoric, has stopped them being rolled out more widely. The prohibitionist Sunak Sunak, is is playing to do not want to hear this. Every time a teenager dies after taking dodgy pills at a festival, they will use it as an argument for harsher drug laws. Mm. They never consider whether that death could have been prevented by harm reduction schemes such as drug testing services or whether opioid addicts or opioid users would be more likely to survive in treatment centres than in prison or by using, I might add, um, um, naloxone. Naloxone, yes. Perhaps they do not care about these lives, but those lives, but our elected representatives have a duty to. A year ago, I interviewed a doctor, the doctor and neuropsychopharmacology expert, David Nutt, who in 2009 lost his job as the Labor government's chief drug advisor over his advocacy of reform. He quoted as saying, we know that the vast majority of politicians want the drug laws changed, but they're terrified, he told me then, watching Sunak, who is surely aware of the evidence, after seven years in Parliament, pander to the drug on, war on drugs crowd, crowd, it seems that sense of fear is alive and well. 
but the latest polling shows it's also outdated. As Crispin Blunt, co-chair of the all-party drug uh, parliamentary group for drug policy reform, which commissioned the survey, put it, the results, quote, strongly suggest that policymakers are getting it wrong. Demonising anyone who uses drugs and calling for tougher punishment might make for a good soundbite, but it doesn't reduce and it won't use, sorry, it doesn't reduce use and it won't save lives. Experts such as Nutt have known this for decades and now it turns out the public knows it too. It's time for the politicians to catch up. What a good summary of the state of play in the UK. It is, indeed. Uh, and from the new statements too. Yeah, statement. a conservative publication. Indeed. Um, in fact, Maggie Thatcher was even softer on drugs than this government. Yeah, they've gone is. backwards, the UK, haven't Very they? Very much so. They were sort of leading the world for yeah. a while. with. Um, and they had money to throw at um, peer education programs when HIV was prevalent in yeah. particular. They don't seem to be making any noise about hepatitis C in Great Britain. They've just and gone backwards. Scotland seems to be the Scotland only place where they're trying to do yep. something about it, and that's because of the overdose rate. Yep. Um, and they're... Um, they're Chief Minister has been very, they're advocating separation from the United Kingdom well, altogether. She wants another referendum. Yeah. Um, and there's good reason to think well, that they might vote for it. Particularly with this attitude to, to drugs. I mean, it, the rate at which they're killing young young Scots is, is oh, abominable. It's, it's, a you know, it's horrifying. It's, it's, it's supporting. You know, guaranteed death. Of Absolutely. And the, I mean, the rate of HIV infection in Glasgow was, oh. you know, one of the reasons why we started um, Needle and Syringe Exchange in Australia, that and and the data from New York. Remember the yeah. classic film Train Spotting? That showed oh, the yes, yes. HIV impact um, very starkly. How no, easy that's, to that's, transmit it was because of the lack of Needle and Syringe Exchange. Do you want to yeah. do the story about the Philippines? I think we've got time. Have we got time? Okay, I yeah, so. let's I mean, keep up with the Philippines. Listeners to the show will know we've been reporting yeah. on um, former President Rodrigo Duterte's... And guess what? Bong Bong Marcos is continuing to fight the fight. And Duterte's daughter is the vice president. Yeah, what a surprise. Anyway, the piece is from UCANews.com, August the 11th. Filipino slam police chiefs vow to continue the drugs war. Activists and priests believe that pronouncements hint at uh, the new President Marcos Jr.'s position on the human rights violations uh, implemented by his predecessor. Human rights groups in the Philippines have voiced opposition to the new police chief's pronouncement to continue former President Rodrigo Duterte's war on illegal drugs. The Catholic Social Action Group um, in Legaspi, Legaspi? Diocese mm -hmm. in Albay Province, together with left-wing Akbayan on August the 10th criticised newly installed police chief General Rodolfo Azarin for being a, quote, puppet of the former administration. The group said Azarin's bow revealed that President Ferdinand Bong Bong Marcos Jr.'s position on the alleged human rights violation of his predecessor. How could you have a nickname like that without laughing at yourself? I know. Bong you know? Bong Bong. Bong Bong. Yeah, the it sounds like some new dope through. It does. <laughs> the chief of police statement said he would continue the war on drugs in the preamble, um, or is the preamble of the drug war policy of um, new president Ferdinand Marcos Jr. Uh, he is no different from President Duterte, who has allegedly killed an average of thirty thousand individuals without giving them any due process of law. 
Yeah, he personally killed 30,000, I, I suspect. I think that's what he did in Deveo, which was where well, he was a man. Well, he yeah. boasted of killing people himself. And the, well, the police, was that was all done extrajudicially, yeah. but I think he went out on his bike. I think when we first started reporting yeah. it, Jeffrey, he said he went out on his bike when he was the mayor. He was proud of it. And, was, yeah, was shooting them. It really Just is without shame. even people who look like drug users. What yeah. do the drug user look like? For no charge, no arrest, no evidence, no, nothing. no just bullet to the head and yeah, dump just, your body in the street. Yeah, bye-bye. Really is outrageous. And take off on your bike. General Azarin said he would sustain the war on drugs because he realised its value and its significance in safeguarding the public from criminals. Quote, I emphasise that our war on drugs shall be relentlessly con- continued regardless of who gets hurt and who gets caught. Interesting. We're we're just going to kill people. Yeah. We've already ripped the benefits of having a peaceful, more orderly society because of it. I think it meant reaped the benefits, not ripped the benefits, don't you? Yeah, it says ripped, but yeah, Yeah. not sure. I mean, the translation from the... Could be, um, yeah, could be a problem. Could have got it wrong. Yeah. Um, So we must sustain it, said Azarin, when he spoke to fellow policemen on August the 14th at Camp Crame in Quezon City, Manila. The Filipino general said he would expand the partnership of the police force with other government agencies to ensure that the supply chain of illegal drugs would be reduced, if not cut. Quote, we will intensify our efforts and our coordination with other government agencies like the Bureau of Customs, the Department of Justice and others. We need the helping hand of other agencies in the government if we want to combat this great enemy. The rhetoric is just pathetic, isn't it? It is, isn't it? Akbayan Group, however said Azurin's policy, which reflected the stand of President Marcos, should not surprise human rights advocates because it was part of the political deal or agreement of the Marcoses and the Dutertes when they merged in the political arena for the May polls, which was what we suspected, Geoffrey. Why are we surprised, is the quote from Akbayan member Cynthia de Castro. We should not be. This is part of the deal. When former Davao City Mayor, now Vice President Sa- uh, Sarah Duterte, that seems to be the uh, the political manoeuvring, you know, be the Mayor of Davao City and then become the Move President, president. or Vice President. Yeah. And now Vice President Sarah Duterte agreed to run with former lawmaker, now President Ferdinand, Ferdinand Bongbong Marcos. They need to protect each other, particularly in human rights violations. Is violations. Isn't this clear? She t- uh, Cynthia De Castro told UCA News. De Castro said Marcos's protection of Duterte would not only extend to his war, drug war campaign, but shield him from any liability arising therefrom. That's what and I that's think that's it's probably all about. the important yeah, protecting point. him. Yep. Yeah. Because it wasn't until 2019 that they withdrew from, from the, the International, International Criminal, Criminal Court. Court. Yeah. Uh, so there were two years when he was busy shooting people that he is actually responsible for in, to the International Criminal Court. On the August, August the 2nd, President Marcos stirred a world criticism by announcing that the Philippines would not rejoin the International Criminal Court, the ICC, saying the country's domestic courts have been working. Ha, <laughs> huh. no, he said. The Philippines has no intention of rejoining the ICC. We're saying that there is already an investigation going on here and it's continuing. So why would there be one like that in the ICC? Marcos told reporters on August the 4th. 
quote, we have a functioning judiciary and that's why I don't see the need for a foreigner to come in and do the job for us. Our judicial system is perfectly capable of doing that, he added. Human rights advocate and staunch Duterte cricket, critic, sorry, cricket, <laughs> Father Flavio, Flavio Valenuva, Valenuva said Marcos's statement, <clears throat> excuse me, showed that he was afraid that the ICC would not only find out Duterte's human rights violations, but also his family's. Ah, that's interesting. Quote, why is he afraid of the ICC investigation if he has nothing to hide? He thinks that Philippine courts are competent, but we all know how the president could exert influence on our justice system, Father Villanueva told UCA News. Well, as we regularly reported, um, Duterte not only influenced the courts, he cracked down on independent media like that's Rap, right. uh, the website Rappler. Yeah, threatened um, and senators still and under under charges on charges of uh, basically sedition. I think he used it as a cover to take out his political enemies and also as a populist sort of thing, I'm acting on crime and... Yes, you know, yes, yeah, and giving the police a bit of extra cash. Yes. yes. Well, he, because they're paying them so pathetically, so they give them extra cash because they give them per capita. They were giving not, them a per capita... Um, like a bounty almost. Rate, bounty yeah, yeah. rate, yeah. yes, pretty and he, much. And he gave them immunity from any action. Yes, yeah, so I'd be glad we're not living in the Philippines, gang. I watched the, the news on... on uh, yeah, I'm sorry, on SBS, the Filipino news every morning, and it's horrific. Pretty it's depressing, yeah. yeah. No, look, um, the lives are just, and, and they're not Mr. Biggs, they're just small-time Shabu or ice users, you know, probably. And probably, and maybe not even that, Jeffrey. Yeah. and that's the point, yeah. is that there is no evidence that these people have been using drugs. They are just poor. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. And we knew from many of the stories that we have covered over the years that they've been, what the police were doing was they were sending the women and children out of the uh, house, yep. shooting the lone male yeah planting a gun maybe yes yeah. yeah putting the gun in his hand and putting a little bit of ice on the floor yeah. to show that he was a drug user or drug dealer that was, was proof. pretty ugly yeah. and that, really that's just we just need to be grateful that we don't live in that kind of society it's not at that we're not on that not scale, at that level, on the yeah. spectrum of um, prohibition abuses, yeah. And the Philippines um, remains like that. It will never be anything other than a developing nation, in my eyes. Well, it's not. It has no legal. I don't think or it's a path to a successful, healthy, you know. No, I mean, and and who do they want to get rid of? It sounds like. Um, it sounds like a movement to get rid of a particular part of the population. Yeah, and maybe it's just the poor, people in poverty. Yeah, life's cheap, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Where there are lots of people yeah. and not much TV or not much good value TV, what do you get? It's pretty ugly lots stuff, though, people. isn't it? It's, it is. And it's, it's a real shame. I was really hoping the ICC would keep doing the investigation of that period when they were still signatories to the ICC and hold him to account. But yes. it's looking... 
No. Well, the ICC is still continuing, as far as I know, with their with their uh, they're going after Duterte for the two years that they were still signatories yep. or members of the International Criminal Court. But uh, I'd be very surprised if um, it leads to anything like it a leads to anything useful extradition yeah. to the Hague and a prison term or nah. war crimes. Yeah. Or I think that I think that uh, good old Bong Bong and Sarah it's all will. Sorted. Uh, yeah. Yes, it's all right. We fixed that. All right. Well, thank you, listeners. I hope you found some of those stories and conversation uh, interesting, interesting. And, and informative and educational. I mean, think of where we could be. Really, every week, what we say about the Philippines that. To all intents and purposes, that could be Australia. Yeah, yeah. they're so close. Only by degree, but it isn't. Yes, but we are advancing further than that. So, we'll see you next week, and we love you all. Look after yourselves. Stay healthy. Take care. Check your drugs. Yeah, and look after your liver. And use the uh, drug checking service. That's right. And. Go to um, Hep ACT or go to the health, the, uh, health clinic tomorrow at Karma yep. to at 10 to 2. There's plenty of services on offer. Plenty of services for you to look after yourself and stay healthy. We'll leave you with Golden Brown. next week. And we'll yep. be back next week. Take Bye. care, everyone. Bye. Day, never a frown with golden brown.